0: You are listening to Reach MD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. We've all heard the astounding numbers that describe the diabetes epidemic in the U.S., and numbers are expected to climb as the 57 million Americans with pre-diabetes begin developing type 2 diabetes. But the problem is not limited to the U.S. The diabetes pandemic must be addressed around the globe with consideration for varying cultural and economic factors. How will countries around the world respond? And how can intervention programs that have proven successful be shared effectively across nations? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Washington, D.C., is Dr. Kenneth Moritsugu, former Deputy Surgeon General and current Chairman of the Johnson & Johnson Diabetes Institute. Welcome, Dr. Moritsugu.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Margolin.
0: Doctor, can you review some of the numbers that make establishing an organized approach for facing the diabetes epidemic so important for many nations?
1: Well, let me begin first by looking at what we are facing here in the United States alone. Recent data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention indicate that there are as many as 23 million people in the United States who have diabetes. Add to that another 57 million who are estimated to have pre-diabetes, meaning that without any kind of intervention, they will progress to having diabetes. The two of those numbers together add up to 80 million, and the impact is on the denominator of 300 million people in the United States. That means that more than one in four Americans either has or will have diabetes. Think of that. And then think of not only those individuals with diabetes, but their mother and father, their brothers and sisters, their school teachers, their classmates, all other individuals who will be touched by individuals who have diabetes, and the number becomes astounding. Take that now, and let's expand that to the globe, because it is not only an epidemic here in the United States. It truly is bordering on a pandemic around the world. Right now, there are 245 million people in the world who have diabetes, and that number is expected to rise to over 380 million people in the next several years, again, if we don't do something about it.
0: Dr. Moritsugu, recently you co-chaired a summit called Diabetes How, with How standing for Help Our World. Tell us about the summit.
1: Well, I think that, you know, those of us who are health professionals look at these numbers and can be pretty much overwhelmed by the magnitude of the problem that we face today and that we will be facing in the near future. We know that something needs to be done. The question is, how do we do it? And that's what this initiative is really meant to do. Johnson & Johnson is proud to be one of the founding sponsors of this initiative, which is really designed to create a forum where partners can come together, can align together to address this epidemic, this pandemic, by sharing with each other best practices, things that work within their community. The key to this all, however, is that while diabetes is a global problem, its solutions have got to be local in nature, which is the reason why Diabetes How is really meant to be a forum to share best practices that then can be evaluated at the local levels to see whether or not it would work within that community or another.
0: Before we talk about how the best solutions can be translated to particular communities, can you talk to us about some of these best practice models that were presented?
1: Well, there are a number, and rather than key in on one or another, I'd like to give you a bird's eye view of what could be done. For example, in some communities, Awareness is extremely important, and engaging media in communicating the best information to the general public in ways that the general public can hear, can understand, can embrace, and then ultimately put into action is an extremely important approach. Another approach is the whole area of health literacy, And when we speak about health literacy, it is not only the capability of individuals to hear a message, but also the importance of health professionals to communicate that message in a way that those that we are trying to have an impact on can hear and understand. A third example is taking these kinds of programs and inserting them into some of our educational programs in elementary schools and in secondary schools so that children can better appreciate the importance of making good and healthy choices for themselves and for others and can appreciate also the fact that there are consequences for bad decisions and there are benefits for good ones.
0: If you've just joined us, you are listening to Reach XM 160 the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Dr. Kenneth Moritsugu, former Deputy Surgeon General and current Chairman of the Johnson & Johnson Diabetes Institute. Doctor, practically speaking, how will the professionals and diabetes specialists that you just mentioned receive the training that's necessary to serve their region?
1: Well, in addition to the initiatives such as Diabetes How, um, the Johnson & Johnson family of companies has established a series of Johnson & Johnson Diabetes Institutes. And in the last year, we have opened four institutes on a global basis, one in Tokyo, one in Beijing, one in Silicon Valley, and one in Paris. These four will represent the initial attempts to facilitate and accelerate the best information, the best science and technology from research into the community. On the average, it takes anywhere up to 16 years for this information to actually get out into the community. And the more that we can accelerate movement into the community, the more people we will be able to help, the more individuals, health professionals, will be able to care for. These diabetes institutes will provide an opportunity for health professionals to receive up-to-date information regarding science and standards and technology that they in turn will be able to translate into their practices to empower their patients to take care of themselves with this very chronic disease.
0: Can you share with us what you've learned about the different approaches to diabetes diagnosis, treatment, and monitoring in different countries, perhaps starting with countries in Asia?
1: Well, I think the one piece that's so very important is that it has to be local, local, and local. While the science is the same around the world, the capability of healthcare systems to be able to apply that science the capability of certain cultures to be able to appreciate and embrace and put into action the science, it differs from place to place. The information has got to be understandable and has got to be culturally relevant and localized for implementation. I've noticed that as I have traveled from Asia to Europe, To the United States. And you can imagine, just in those three major regions alone, the healthcare delivery systems are different, the cultures are different, the languages are different, even though the science is the same.
0: Can you give us an example of how this information might be received, say in China, and dealing with helping newly diagnosed those with diabetes in China?
1: Well, I can give you a very straightforward example of that. When we think of health care in the United States, a lot of our health care is provided by primary care providers on an ambulatory basis and not in hospitals. In China, the care and the healthcare care delivery system is very hospital-centric, and individuals go to hospitals for a diagnosis of diabetes, for treatment of diabetes, and in fact, that is their primary source of care. In China, there is interest in moving this away from the tertiary care hospitals into community hospitals and ultimately out into the communities, but you can imagine the difference between receiving care in a hospital setting versus as we do in the United States in an ambulatory care setting.
0: Right. Are there any lessons that will be learned from other countries that will be brought back to the U.S. to improve our management?
1: Well, I think that that's an extremely important point, And that is that while we in the United States have a very sophisticated healthcare care delivery system, we don't know everything about everything, and by looking at other systems and other healthcare delivery systems and other cultures as well, I believe that there will be a wealth of information, a wealth of science, and a wealth of approaches that will be able to translate back into best practices here in the United States. Simply looking at a different culture and the approaches for education and communication and motivation we will learn much more in terms of how to address things here in the United States.
0: Can you talk to us about the effects of the global economic turndown on health care for chronic conditions like diabetes here and around the world?
1: I think that we are beginning to see some anecdotal evidence that the economic downturn is having a negative impact upon health and healthcare, and I think it is still a little too early to really have a firm scientific conclusion on this, but one can hypothesize that with the economic downturn, there will be less available resources, financial resources to spend on what otherwise is extremely important, healthcare. Individuals may be at risk of losing their jobs, and here in the United States, Many times the insurance, health insurance, is tied to employment. And if an individual loses his or her job, that individual runs the risk of losing insurance. When you lose insurance, you lose access and the economic capability to maintain a healthy life and to purchase appropriate medications and supplies. This has nothing more relevant to do than when we talk about diabetes because an individual who is an insulin-dependent patient with diabetes needs to be able to purchase insulin and syringes and the equipment to measure blood sugar so that they can take better care of themselves.
0: Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. Kenneth Moritsugu. Thank you so much for your time and the interesting conversation, doctor.
1: Thank you very much, Dr. Margolin.
0: For comments and questions, send your email to XM at ReachMD.com, and be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library